So if you have a Bible um, with you this morning, you might like to, like to turn to uh, Luke chapter 12 for a moment or two. So Luke 12. And we're continuing together in a series um, based on Luke's gospel. Uh, we're spending quite some time because we're on a journey and we're walking on a journey together. And uh, we're looking at Luke's gospel. And the, the series is entitled Follow Jesus. And we are discovering and rediscovering and renewing our heart and commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to be disciples, to be Christians, Christ ones, followers of Jesus. And so that's what we're unpacking when I speak and we look together. And others have been sharing this theme too, which has been exciting in the life of our church. And so this morning I want to take, based on Luke 12, we're going to look at life, priority, perspective, and purpose. Life, priority, perspective, and purpose. And it's based on Luke chapter 12, And uh, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable or story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Verse 22 then. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? But since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes 
near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So in this story, in this account, Jesus shares some wisdom on how to live a healthy life. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's what I believe. When we, what we've just read, I believe the bottom line on that story or that account where Jesus speaks to some people around him about life and possessions and then about worrying and how God will give us all that we need. He's really just giving some amazing wisdom. 2,000 years ago, amazing wisdom for life, which I believe is just as relevant 2,000 years later for you and me. So that's why we're going to look at life and look at how Jesus shares a priority. And if we get God's priority, we seem to get a perspective. We seem to see life clearly and in a different way, in a clear way. And out of that perspective of God comes a purpose, a destiny. We'll be able to head in a direction that is good. That is good in God and good for you and good for me. Because God plans good things for people. God is a God who is good. The Bible says that God, the New Testament says, God is love. So intrinsically, God is perfect love and perfect goodness. Therefore, I believe, it's not pie in the sky, that God has good things in store for me as I seek to follow him. God has good things in store for you as you and I seek to follow him. And this is what Jesus is basically sharing. So we're going to look at this together for a few moments. So, basically... In what we're looking at, Jesus shares two things. Uh, He looks at wanting things, verses 13 to 21, what we just looked at. He looks at, you know, when we want things, when we look for possessions, wanting things, and the result of worrying about those things, secondly. Two things that he looks at there. When we want things, you know, more, this, that the wanting of possessions or things of life. And then secondly, he says, why worry? He then looks about worrying about things and how that does that add anything to life. So those two things are what we're going to look at this morning as we look together. Uh, I read an article in Forbes magazine. Forbes magazine is an American journal or magazine periodical. It's based, it looks at finance, business, industry and investments. I haven't got any investments, right? So, uh, but I happened to read this because I was researching it. It's not something that I subscribe to, but I was looking for something about life. And in Forbes magazine, they looked at what worries the rich. I don't know if you knew this or not, but rich people are worried, just like poorer people, like me, perhaps, or, or you. But rich people worry too. And in this article in Forbes magazine entitled, Why the Rich Worry?, they did an interview of several thousand people that were multi-millionaires. They didn't just have a million dollars. They had multiple millions of dollars, okay? Now, you can read it. It's out there. But uh, my eye caught, it's quite a long um, uh, article. But in the article, I looked at the area of worry and what worries rich people. Have a listen to this. It says, children in affluent families often have a tendency of confusing self-worth with net worth. One researcher, Gallo, says, parents don't want kids to grow up thinking that the qualities of their friendships with others are a function of the brands or of clothes that they wear or the cars that they drive. Strikingly, most concerned uh, those of those polled was not being able to maintain or improve their current status and get ahead. 
What really worried a lot of these multimillionaires was this. What really worried them was improving their status and getting ahead. They were already pretty far ahead by terms of the world, you could say. They were multimillionaires. And what was worrying them in this survey was getting ahead, further ahead, making even more millions. It goes on to say this. Overall, 91% call the luxury lifestyle a key issue. 94% say the same was true of the lifestyles of the exceptionally wealthy. They, these exceeded um, the 81% who say not being able to meaningfully, get this, not being able to meaningfully enhance their current lifestyle is important, um, which is about the same level as making sure your heirs are taken care of. As one researcher, Russ Prince, puts it, describes it, it's the mindset of, I have, five million, I have a $5 million jet, I want a $10 million jet. But, he doesn't, but the person then doesn't see their greed. Rather, he says it's simply a reflection of what everyone at every income level wants, something more. Greedy is the wrong word, this researcher says. This is not a bad thing. This is the capitalist model, the desire to keep moving up, to enhance your lifestyle. It's critical in having an entrepreneurial society. In other words, they were worried about what they had and going further. The next best thing, the next new thing, the best thing. And that's what society is based on. Our society is a consumer society. And this is why I believe what Jesus had to say 2,000 years ago, why worry about what you've got, because life is more than what you've got. This is what he says. can't add anything to your life, and you can't take it with you. I believe what he was saying 2,000 years ago, in actual fact, is incredibly important for your and my emotional, physical, and spiritual, and mental health and well-being today. Because we live in a society that is based on buying things and getting more things. So we're told in our economy, we're going through a downturn. The way to get out of the downturn is to borrow and spend more. An upturn will come if you buy more things. That's a capitalist society. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's what it is. And so if we've got to get more, buy more, we're on that sort of life treadmill. It's interesting. It's just an observation but it's an interesting one. That's what a consumer society does. It consumes. So the message that Jesus shared is just as important today as it was then. In actual fact, I feel for you and me, it might be even more important. Because in the day, people just had to just make a living. They just looked at the bread for that day. Whereas we want not only the bread for today, but the bread for tomorrow and the next best luxury item that we've got. So it's even more relevant for us today, what Jesus had to say. Okay, so let's look together then, just for a moment or two. Wanting things. So, that's the first thing that we're, we're just going to spend a few moments. And uh, that's found uh, this. So, Jesus spends some time looking at things, possessions. And that's found in, in verses 13 to 21. You know, um, we live in an age where we appear to be defined by what I have and possess. You know, it's... If I, meet, if I meet a group of other pastors, the first thing that somebody will say to you, this is how pastors are defined. How big is the church? What are the offerings like? Defined by what you've got. 
That's, that's, the, it's a niche. that's in the Christian world. That's incredible, isn't it? But in the world in which we live, we appear to be defined by what you have. We don't set out to do that. Of course we don't. I can assure you, I do not set out to do that. But it's just the world in which we live. It's, I'm part of life. But that's the fact. That is the way that it is. And we can look around and think, well, I'm doing pretty well compared to them. And I'm not doing so good as compared to that. And if it could be me, if I did the lottery, it could, I could, and I could have, and I could have the life of. And, and it's that type of, we're defined. And there's a danger that we can be defined by uh, what we um, uh, have. So there's this aspect in life where it, what I do and what I've got sort of makes me. And when I don't have much and I don't do much, I'm not very good. But you know, God doesn't look at it like that. And this is what Jesus was saying to this rich man, or these two, these two men arguing over um, uh, life and an inheritance. He, said, he was saying to them, look, it's, life is more than possessions, Jesus had to say to them. You know, it's more than just what you've got. Uh, there's a danger there. And um, that's just so true. Uh, in natural fact, Jesus shows this man, it's not what I have, but it's in actual fact who I am and who you are that matters. Not what you've got, but who you are. And uh, I would go further than that. Some people would say it's not what you've got, but it's who you are. I wouldn't stop there. I would say it's not what I've got, it's who I am, and I add this, in God that defines me. And this is what God's, uh, Jesus said to this man. When the man was talking about life and money, he was basically saying to him, and I'll build, he told the story of building bigger barns, more barns. And then he comes and says, now you'll, you'll, you'll meet your maker, you'll meet your God. You've got all this stuff, but you just can't take it with you. It's our relationship with God that counts. And this is what Jesus was saying to this man. So it's not what I have, but it's who I am in God. Lots of people stop there. It's who you are that counts. But it's who you are in God. It's who you are in your relationship with God that defines and determines who you are and where you'll go and who you'll become. So this is what Jesus began to share with this man. Now, he showed him this, that it's not the things that you have. It's who you are and the relationship that we have with God. So what matters to God is people, not possessions. We're talking a lot about that, aren't we? This is what matters to God. You matter to God, not what you've got. He actually said in the story, I'll build bigger barns. So what? You can't take any of it with us. My, my Hannah and I, she's at the gathering, so I'm going to tell you. We were talking in the car. We were driving in the car. We were just driving along uh, to school. And we got, entered this really deep uh, meaning of life. And it was all initiated by her, probably because in our family, there is um, an uncle. My, my wife, Helen, her uncle is now... He's a senior member of society and is now, you know, uh, very critically ill. And in our family, and, and very, Helen, my Helen's been very close with a particular aunt and uncle, and so in our family, there's a, we're, just, we're just getting ready for certain things that will be happening um, with the finality of life. And Hannah was talking to me about life, and, and, um, and I'm, I'm in my 50s. I'm, I've just, well, I've just about become 50, rather. And uh, I, I was talking about, this is the half of my, half my life. And she said, I can't believe that, Dad. You know, what, what's it going to be like when, when someone's not here? And I said, exactly. We're just driving along in the car. You know, I think, 
What a conversation. It wasn't doom and dire. This was an amazing conversation that she initiated. And we were just talking. And I said, you know what? It's not what I do in church. It's not what I've got. At the end of the day, it's, it's our relationship with God that counts. And Jesus and knowing him. And she, and she was taking it all in. Because I said, you know, at the end of the day, I can't take none of it with me. And this is what Jesus was saying. And it, 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 we just talked. And I left it at that. And she left it at that. And, you know, that's that. But... This is what Jesus was saying. People, not possessions. He said, you can have lots of stuff, but at the end of the day, you can't take any of it with you. Hey, it's, I would even say it's not wrong to have stuff, by the way. We'll look at that in a moment. But he's saying this, people. The only thing we can take to heaven is people. The only thing that's a relationship with God is people. He does not have a relationship with my money or my TV or the house or how big. He will never remember Adrian Mancini for how big or how small the church is. He'll just remember me and know me for me. That's all that counts. It's amazing. People matter to God. You matter. This is why it says, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. People matter. This is what he was saying to the man. He was saying, look, let's try and get away from stuff and let's talk about relationship. So people, not possessions, matter to God. The man had lots of things, but at the end of life, he couldn't take it with him. So God said, where are they now? I don't know you. You don't know me. This is what matters. Jesus said in the parable, the man had all this stuff, but God didn't know him. And the man, no matter how rich and good he was and successful in life, didn't know God. It wasn't the stuff that Jesus was worried about. It was the relationship or the non-relationship with this man that worried Jesus, that he wanted to share. So it's people, not possessions, that matter. Um, So... It's not wrong to have things. You know, in that story, the man is, is getting ready for life. But uh, it's not wrong to have things. Hey, it's not wrong to have a life policy. It's not wrong to prepare for retirement. Those things aren't wrong. It's not, and I would say it's not wrong to have things. I think the key to life is not the wrong to have things, but it's wrong if those things have you. And it's up on the screen there. It's wrong if things have me. It's not wrong to have possessions, but do the possessions possess you? Do they possess your heart? Do they? And this is what Jesus was really getting at. He wants our, God wants our hearts. And if our life is tied up with things and more things, that's what gets our hearts. And it's not wrong to have stuff, but the stuff mustn't have me. Simple. It's as simple as that. That's what Jesus was getting at. And this is what he wanted to teach the man. So, wanting things, not wrong to have them, but do those things have me? Now, you see, you know, you know if those things are possessing you. Do you know how you know? Because you want them all the more. And Jesus then talks about greed. It becomes a greed. What God, it's interesting. God, he says there, God knows our need, but he doesn't like our greed. That's not just a buzzword. It's interesting because Jesus says your father knows what you need. So God knows our need. This is good news. We'll talk about this in a moment. But it's the greed. Now, when things possess me, I want them more. Like, I've got a five, I haven't got a $5 million jet. I don't want a $5 million jet. But I've got a $5 million jet, said in Forbes magazine. They want a $10 million jet. It's called greed. Things begin to possess us. That's how you know things possess you. You've got to have. You've got to get. You've got to do. That's what's got your heart. And what is a need becomes a greed. And it's very subtle and it happens easily to any of us and it can happen to me. Now I'll let you into a little story about need. 
Now, my wife Helen's not here, so don't tell her this now. And don't, don't you dare, Ben. He said it's too late now, he's going to tell her. Well, this is about, this is just a bit of fun, but need. I've worked something out. And uh, when I, I don't go out shopping with Helen very much. Uh, she doesn't like me going out shopping with her, right? I'm a typical, I like to sit, look at a book, go, you know, go, go for a coffee, buy what I want, go home. Helen will look at, you know, and ch- t- oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just too much. Anyway, when we go out shopping, if I do go out shopping with her, which isn't very often, this is a classic. Helen will say, what do you think of this? Do you like this? And I go, I've worked something out. This is it. Hey, tell you what, I could save you. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever this is for, I can save you. This is a technique. I've worked. I'll say this. Really nice. But do we really need it? And Helen's face goes. <laughs> I, I want to say, my wife is an amazing woman. She doesn't want anything. She doesn't ask for anything. Just goes and does what she wants anyway. But no, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't. It's not true. It's not true. I just said that for effect. It's just not true. I've just told a lie. Um, she honestly doesn't want anything. She's, a, she's an amazing person. She really is. And, um, but I, I, and so, so that's why she didn't like having me around. Because at any time, so I've worked out that this, this technique now, what started off, do we really need it? Try it. Guys, ladies, come back to me. This will work. This will save you. Fortune. This is, this is, this, you don't have to, sp- I just go, wow, it's brilliant. Do we really need it? It works every time. It seems to set a cloud over the day. It tarnishes the moment of the joy of looking and window shopping to the point that she says, I think you need to go away. I'll go on my own. And she, and she goes off with my girls. But look, bit of fun. Please don't tell her I've told you that story. <laughs> She is, an, like I said, amazing woman. Doesn't want anything. Doesn't, she really is quite a character. God bless her. She's put up with a lot with me. And, um, but need. God knows what we need. And you, you know when, when you, you, it's got you because I must have. And um, it's not wrong to have things. Don't let things have you and me. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what greed is. But that's the society we live in. It's a consumer society. We have to buy things to make things to be, improve our prosperity. That's the type of world in which we live. So what he goes on to say then is, um, uh, the question I ask is, are we consumed or am I a consumer? Because then what Jesus says this, rather be rich towards God. At the end of, of, of that little uh, passage on wanting things, Jesus said, but rather be rich towards God. And I'd ask, are you consumed or are you a consumer? Um, Do we give our lives to God or is it opposed to we're always having to get things, get things, get, 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 get. Gimme, 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 gimme. I want to get hold of this. And what Jesus is saying, be, be rich towards God. In other words, give your life to God. Give your heart. Make God the center of your life. Don't let things get hold of you. To be rich towards God is to say, I'm going to give you my whole life. I mean, that's pretty simple. In a nutshell, that's what he's basically saying. And so we become a person consumed by the fire of God. Lots of people want the fire of God. Well, just give him your life. It's as simple as that. 
Well, it's not as simple as that. We know there are challenges along the way. But the Holy Spirit wants to come and consume. And God is a consuming fire he, of love and of mercy and of goodness and of forgiveness and a walk with God and life. Are we consumed? Or am I getting, getting, getting a consumer? Consumed, I give my life. Consumer, I'm always getting. That's the question that he asks the man. So, so wanting things is linked to worrying about things. Um, now, that's, this is interesting. So Jesus wants us to have a relationship with God, to give our lives to him. That's what it means to be rich, is to give your whole life, totality of my life. And then he links it, and he says, so you notice there in um, verse 22, therefore, says, then Jesus said to the disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you're uh, body and, and about what you'll wear. Therefore, the therefore is linked to the wanting. So the worrying, he links to wanting. Consumerism will just lead us to worry more. Um, more people worry today and anxious about life than they've ever been. And um, so let's, let's just have a look at that um, for a moment or two. You see, um, worrying linked to wanting. And there's a number of things there. You know, we end up, when we are consumed and uh, we, we want more things, there's a couple of things that we do. We long for what I haven't got. There's a longing. Worrying can sometimes be linked to longing. Hey, it's not wrong to have things. You hear my heart on this. Uh, I'm not wanting to spoil your life and spoil your week. But what I'm saying is that there can be a longing in life if things possess us, this is why I don't want them to possess me. We will long for that which I don't have. Oh, I need that. Oh, I've got to have that. And I would say to you, do you really need it? Longing for what I haven't got. Looking after what I've already got. Sometimes we have to take an insurance out for that. Protect this. Lock away that. You know, it, you know people with investments would worry about it. And it's good to have investments, by the way. But there can be a looking after what I've already got. So there's a longing for what I haven't got, looking after what I've already got. And this can add to the anxiety of life. And then um, we worry about losing what we've got. So there's this, we can go on this longing, looking, losing cycle. And that's where the worry, and this is what Jesus said. This is about worrying. This is where the worry and the anxiety comes in. We can go on a longing, looking, losing cycle of life. And this is what Jesus warned. Pulls you apart. Worry literally means to be pulled in many directions. So, you know, I don't want to go on a longing, looking, losing cycle. And that does happen in my life. So let's look at what we can do about that, shall we, for a moment or two. So then Jesus shares this. Don't worry. Because it would just pull you apart. And he says, you know, your father values you, and he knows your need. Look at the air, look at the birds, look at the grass, look at the lilies. These things are beautiful. They're given, and they'll be consumed at the end of the age. And yet, so he said, but when he looks at you, people, his creation, he values you. In other words, you are precious. We're precious. We're valuable. Not things. People are valuable. Valuable to God. And he knows our need. In other words, he knows our heart. He's got a great heart. And so, you know... um, in my mind and in my heart, I need to be convinced. We need to be convinced that God is good. The heart of God is good. The Bible says that God is love. So Jesus convinces his friends and says, look, you're valuable. God's good. 
God is love. He knows your need. Doesn't like our greed, but he knows what we need in life. Now, this is amazing. This is where we can take great strength. God knows what we need for life to live and in the age in which we live in the context of the 21st century. And he loves us and he values us. And so, therefore, he will help us. You are valuable to God. You are loved by God. God knows what you need for life. God will give us and give you those things that we need. He will make it available. He'll help us. He'll change life and circumstance. He'll release us. He'll release circumstance so that we will have all that we need. Jesus says, I know your need. God is good. Now you really need, we really need to get hold of that. For all the talk of the heart of the Father, the lots of people still worry today. We need to be convinced. We need to know God is good. You know, sometimes it used to be said, somebody would say, God is good. And then in the old congregation would say, all the time. And it used to be something, it's an old, something they used to do in the old days, the good old days perhaps. And, uh, but there's some truth in that. God is intrinsically amazing, wonderful, and full of love. We just have to get saturated by that. I have to be immersed in that and saturated by that truth in my heart and in my life. And Jesus began to share that. It it stops worry. Now, he goes on to say in verse 31, seek first his kingdom and then these things will be given you. And that speaks about priority. If you look at verse 31, so we need to be convinced of the heart of God, the, the good heart of God, and then we need to have God's, so that's God's person. God is good. Now we need God's priority. So we need to know God's person. God is good. God is love. And then secondly, we need to seek God's priority. And this is what he says. Seek first God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, Holy Spirit's kingdom, and all these things will be given you. Do you notice it says there, seek first? Speaks of priority. First things first. God first. God first. The very first port of call. The ground of my life. Seek first. So that speaks of priority. Um, What is the kingdom? Look, to put it in a nutshell, the kingdom is God's leadership and God's life. The kingdom is God's leadership and God's life. So when it says, seek first the kingdom, and then all of these things will be given you, this is what Jesus is saying. Know God's person. He is good. Have as a priority God's leadership and the corresponding life that comes out of God, living for God. That's what the kingdom of God is. We all say, we sing songs, I want to see the kingdom of God in my generation. The kingdom of God comes within. God leads us. And then the life of God, the new life, flows out of us. But first of all, God has to lead us for the life to flow out of us. And this is what he says. It's so simple. It is so straightforward for life. First of all, let God lead us, and then the life will flow out of us. Now, this is really interesting because I find this. We're coming to a conclusion in a moment or two. So basically, what Jesus is saying here is priority. The priority comes out of the person. God is good. God is love. Okay, And first, a life living for God. I want to follow God. I want to live for God. I want God to be the center of my life, God's leadership. And then the life comes out of it. So that's priority. Perspective will come out of priority. In other words, we'll be able to see what life is really all about. We'll see that things 
not wrong to have them, but they're not going to rule me anymore because I can't take them with me. I've got some nice things. We've got some very nice things. I live in a nice home. I live in a nice street, etc., etc., etc. But I don't want those things to rule me. And they don't. Well, I have some days when they do and some days when they don't. But my journey is I'm not wanting them to. Because I want to, God, my heart for God, follow him, live for him. The life comes out. But a, a perspective, we start to see life in a different way. God way. Not a good way, but a God way. I would say that lots of people don't see life God way because they haven't got the priority right, first of all. We live without God being our lead and it's him being our lead first. So perspective. And when we get perspective, we see what life is about. An amazing thing begins to happen. You'll have purpose. You'll have a direction. So my Hannah was saying to me, Oh, Dad, you know, when we come to that point when life finishes, what's the point of it all? She was asking a really deep philosophical question in her own words. And the point of life is a relationship created by God, for God, with God. And living for God on this earth and knowing God in eternity. That's the point. That's the purpose. That's the, my destiny. And so, knowing his person, getting his priority, will give perspective. We'll see life how it really should be. And then we have a sense of purpose. You see, it's my purpose that determines my destiny. Who you will become and where you will go and what you will achieve and where you will be taken in life all comes out of Living or not living for God at the end of the day. And this is what so consumed the heart of Jesus. So then Jesus said something quite amazing as he built this story up. We'll conclude with this. He said this, for where your treasure is, your heart will be. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. And the question is, what, do you, what or who do you treasure? My life, my wife, my husband, good things, friendship, great things. You know, that, they're not wrong things, but ultimate treasure. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's what you value. What you value in life, treasure, what's treasured, what's valuable to you. What's value? You see... Do you value your relationship with God? Lots of questions this morning. Do you value your relationship with Father God? Honestly, I mean honestly now, don't have to shout it out. Don't tell me, it's before God. Do you really value a relationship with God? Because what's valuable to you and me? Relationship with Jesus. It's what Jesus was saying. What's, because what's valuable has me, has my life. What's valuable to me means it will form the value system that I live, the decisions I will make in life, what I'll do, where I'll go. So this man said, I'll build a barn, I'll have more, I'll do this, I'll do that. He did not value anything of God at all. And then God said, your life shall be taken from you. I never knew you. You never knew me. And so there's this idea of priority, perspective, purpose, destiny, but also price, value. Do we value the price? Do you know, um, salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. But it costs Jesus his lifeblood, priceless. 
In fact, salvation, relationship with God is priceless. This is why it's called a pearl of great price. Actually, this is the secret of life. A relationship with God is priceless. It cost his son everything, but will give you and me everything. It cost everything for God and his son, but will give you and me absolutely everything. Hope, purpose, forgiveness, relationship with him. Do we value a relationship with God? It's a great price paid by Christ. So Jesus, there he is. He shares. It's not the it's the wanting of things that leads to the worry about things. And what really matters is live a life rich to God. Live a life given to God. Live a life that has a new perspective on God. So we give our lives to God saying, God, I want to live for you. Don't let things possess me. I've got them, but I'm not going to let them. I'm not going to get on the treadmill. I want to live for you. Let's pray together. So God bless you, folks. Give our lives to him as opposed to getting things from him. Let's give ourselves to him. Heavenly Father, this morning, we come to you and we say, thank you. Uh, we probably lived, we live in this age of great opportunity. Potentially, there's great opportunity for people today. We live in a land of great freedom. Although many things are going on in the world, there's a lot of peace. We have great freedom. There's incredible opportunity for men and women, boys and girls, irrespective of color or creed. There's great opportunity. We live in a great world. We recognize that there's challenges, but we do live in a great world. And we just want to say thank you this morning. And in the midst of everything that goes on around me and in life, Lord, I just want to confess, I don't want things to possess me. I, I, I don't want to, things to get hold of me. But I want my relationship with you to grow and to be valuable. And my treasure of my heart is a treasure, a relationship with you, which then flows out in you being the master and lord of my life. And in the, in the way I live, if you're going to be lord and leader of my life, then the kingdom is also about how I live my life. So I pray, Lord, that first of all, forgive me if I've let other things become my treasure. I speak about myself, not looking at anyone else. Forgive me if other things have become my treasure. I just want to say this morning, I want to treasure you, Jesus, your forgiveness, your death and resurrection, you standing in my place, the offer of freedom and forgiveness. Father God, that you would pay the price for me and that you extend your hand towards me. Now there is freedom and forgiveness for all. I value that. I value that. There is life to be lived today. I value that, Father. I don't want to do anything that tarnishes that. I just want to live for you. So will you help us, Lord? We believe, but as the man said, help me in my unbelief. I give you my life. Now help me as I seek to step and live that life. Would you do that for us, Lord, this day in time and pressure and life? and family, and home, and job, and marriage, and relationships, and thoughts, and plans, all that I'm seeking to do. I want to treasure you. 
Lord, would you help me in that? Give me the power through the Holy Spirit as I seek to do that in Jesus' wonderful, precious, and most amazing name so I can live for the kingdom, live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.